Having a Gas With is the podcast that talks to the great and the good of the creative industries, and in particular, finds out what makes great music for film, for TV, for advertising, for dancing to, for cooking to, for f***ing to, and more. Today, I'm having a gas with Danny Edwards, the co-editor of Shots Magazine. Ordinarily, around this time of year, Danny is pulled from pillar to post organising the Shots Awards, one of the industry's largest and most celebrated events. However, this year has been a bit different, as you can imagine, and we talk about how it's affected his life, the industry, and more. Are you really envious of the people who are in the uh, in the COVID-19 thing, uh, be- bemoaning the non-essential worker status and, oh, I have to open a bottle of wine at 3pm because <laughs> I've got nothing yeah. else to do? Well, it's that. It's that whole furloughed thing, I suppose, isn't it? I mean, you know, look, you don't want to, you know, it's, it's weird, I suppose, to talk about stuff and, you know, the grass is always greener, I suppose, uh, in some respects. But, you know, sometimes you sit back and think, because we've been very busy the, since this whole thing kicked off, uh, you know, everyone wants to talk about it, everyone wants to kind of put their opinion across, which is great, and which we love, and which is really good for us and has been, a you know, a boon for the site and stuff. But it's been really, really busy and then added into this, the Shots Awards stuff. So then sometimes you sit back and think, oh, you know, what, uh, being furloughed sounds like it would be it would be great if I could just keep mind you've got kids so there's yeah. no such thing as being fur- furloughed when you've got young kids no how is it how is the how is the day-to-day and the week-to-week different at the moment when you are in with the family all the time uh Hugh at Mullen Low who I spoke to the other week was describing the differences in a kind of you know light-hearted tongue-in-cheek way uh, but he was saying there are some times when I have to just get out and just say I, I need to be on my own for a minute yeah, I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, there is no difference. That's the problem, isn't it? I suppose for a lot of people is that, you know, the days blend into one and sometimes you have to think, oh, is it the weekend or is it the Friday? Yes. Well, you know, like you kind of lose track of where you are because essentially every day is kind of the same. That You know, I'm sure millions of people, millions and millions of people across the globe, certainly, and millions of people in this country are in the same position of the, the difficulty is balancing work and kids because, you know, the kids don't, care they're off school and they're kind of we're trying to do homeschooling like a lot of people are but it's it's a struggle at the best of times and my wife works she's got a you know a full-time job as well so uh, it's that balance of who um you know who does what and when and who looks after the kids and the usual sort of situations and, and again uh, this week's been more uh, childcare stuff has been more on uh, on her because i've been up here scrolled away doing all this filming um, for the majority of this week or all of this week in fact so uh, the balance is somewhat out of kilter at the moment but yeah, um, yeah you know it's it's uh, you know it's getting it's weird isn't it because it's called isolation but actually the thing that a lot of families I guess and certainly us it, you know you haven't actually got any alone time because you're just in the house with people I guess you can go out for a walk and stuff but generally yeah. speaking I'm just going for a walk the kids are like can I come <laughs> did you have any of the uh I know that you said you've got a very busy work calendar and you expected to have a very busy work calendar going into this, but did you have any of the uh, preconception that during lockdown you would become super productive and you'd read all of the books you've meant to read and you'd get everything done? And Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose there is that, isn't there? I think, again, it's that thing is if you live on your own or maybe, I guess, basically, if you haven't got kids, you can probably set yourself... I don't know how easy that is. Again, it's the grass is always greener situation, but in my mind, you think, well, I could finish that novel and, and kind of write that song or whatever it is, or read all those books that I said I had, or watch those films. Um, but yeah, there's just not as much time as you would hope when you sort of add in work and the kids and, and once they uh, go to bed, you, you know, all you want to do is just collapse on the sofa and, and kind of watch a bit of telly before going to bed yourself. So yeah, the, the kind of, you know, let's get productive and let's use this time wisely has not really materialised for me at least. Not so far. I mean, yeah, for most people I've been speaking to, you have um, 
uh, a relatively distinct position then because, uh, as I said, most people uh, or many people I've been speaking to are uh, trying to cope with a new dearth of downtime. But um, I think what might be useful to do is if we cast ourselves back to pre-COVID-19 and what seems mm. like what Sam Harris referred to as a different era of human history. I know it feels like that when, because we, what was the, uh, what was the, the, uh, the pub that we met up in on February yeah, 28th? Yeah, yeah, that feels like a different life now. Unimaginable. That was long ago, was it? Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't, it was less than a month before we locked up. But um, what we'll do is we'll go back to that era of human history. And maybe maybe a year ago, let's say, what would you have been doing that's different to COVID-19? So how was your normal life and how, we, how many plates were you spinning being the co-editor of Shots? I mean, I suppose, you know, in a, I guess, fairly boring, was a, life wasn't massively different in the sense that you were still going to work, you're still looking after the kids. Uh, you know, the kind of general day-to-day activities weren't markedly different from what they are now. It's just that you don't have that free... Obviously, we don't have that freedom to kind of step away from it like we would. You know, like, the office is the home. So, therefore, you know, that whole commute of... You know, again, having time to... So, I don't live in London, so I commute to London. It takes about an hour or just over an hour so I could read a book or listen to a podcast or, you know, whatever. You know, have a snooze on the train. Uh, and those sort of moments of alone time albeit sort of relatively um small sometimes but which i really enjoy so getting to read a book on the train it was great but you don't have those really so much anymore i don't certainly because obviously we're not commuting we're working from home so it's that distinct split that you used to have between work and home uh is now no longer there so everything is in one and i guess it's taken a while to uh, to come to terms with that, and we, yeah, look, I suppose we, we've been doing we've been doing okay. I think we've been coping. The kids have done relatively well, considering that they're not allowed to see their friends or their grandparents and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's keeping them amused has been difficult. But yeah, I mean, this time last year, um, yeah, I just I guess we would be able to just go, say, all right, let's go to the beach for a bit, or let's go to, for for a run, or let's go for, to the park, or let's go and do something that you know no one can do at the moment. So that's the big the big difference. It makes my life sound really boring though, doesn't it? Because my life is not massively different now as it was a year ago. Well, no, yeah, one of the people I was speaking to recently just works uh, from home all the time. Anyway, he's a mix engineer. Uh, yeah. with, his, uh, with a home studio and so it's like life just feels the same to me it looks yeah. different when I go outside the house but yeah yeah we, we I mean same here we, so we work from home a couple of days a week so it wasn't a, it wasn't a massive jump for us to, to say okay well we're going to work from home full time so it wasn't like a, oh my god how are we going to do this so we were kind of ahead in that respect um, I suppose that the, the things we've done differently my wife has gone back to gardening big time so we've got rows of pot plants downstairs uh, sort of lining the, the kitchen uh, we're also in the middle of, as the lockdown happened, we're in the middle of having an extension built. So we are slightly uh, <laughs> sort of halfway through a, a sort of half-built extension. It's not been ideal, but um, yeah. we've survived. So, yeah, it's uh, it's been a weird and weird and wonderful. Well, I don't know about wonderful. It's been a weird experience. Imagining there's uh, someone who is uh, watching or listening to this who isn't familiar with Shots magazine at all. What's the 15-second pitch for if you have to describe what it is to someone? So shots, I guess, is how do I describe it? So it's it's a 
Um, it's about creativity and advertising. So it's a po hopefully it's a window into the best work, uh, some of the most creative minds, people, directors, creatives, uh, companies, production companies, agencies, music houses uh, uh, out there and the work that they produce and why they produce it and how they produce it and the methods they use and a kind of uh, a way of highlighting some of the best work from around the world. So yeah. How would you say how would you say it differs from so the other uh, the other ones I would say the big if, if shots is one of the big three the other two would be campaign live and the drum how does it distinguish itself from those two um, I guess historically what we've said is that you know we're not really a business magazine in the sense that campaign is they do you know they do a great job of, of reporting on the business of advertising um, you know we cover that to a, to a degree but not. To, to the depth that they do, I suppose, but we're more about the work and the creative output of the industry. So we're more interested in the work that comes out uh, and the kind of um, the films and generally it's film-based, not always, but the, the, the digital work or whatever it is that, that might come out and how good that is and how interesting and how creative that is and showcasing that. Uh, and then talking to people about how that was produced and the people that produced it and uh, the companies that were behind it. So that's our forte more than it is um, kind of reporting on client wins and uh, and those sort of things. Yeah, I'd say from reading them myself over the past two years, uh, it seems like the drum is the most data focused or the most business focused and people like myself certainly were more interested in the creative output shots is the one uh, that you would focus on um, and so what uh, what have you seen let's say trending uh, creatively uh, in the it's hard to talk now because obviously now is yeah. very different there's almost no what should we say authentic creative work at the moment everything's very if there's anything shot, there's people trying to impress the marketplace with, we've shot this whilst working from home, we've made this whilst working mm. from home, but it's an anomalous moment. What were the trends for the sort of three years leading up to this that uh, caught your attention? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's difficult sometimes to put trends down. Sometimes it feels like you kind of, you know, I guess they are man-made, but you kind of try and squeeze things in so as a trend about a certain a certain thing. I mean, we were seeing a lot more epic stuff, you know, longer form. I guess that's the trend is towards, if we are talking trends, towards kind of longer form content uh, and people's and brands moves towards, you know, branded entertainment and embracing, uh, you know, longer form um films, uh, be they on the internet or be they actual films or TV programs that are, have branded associations with them. So I guess that was a trend uh, we've seen over the last few years. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, obviously, since this whole thing kicked off, the, the stories that come with the work that we've seen has been about the processes. So obviously, you know, we had to shoot this remotely, we had to kind of get UGC, or we had to, the way that it was shot rather than what it is. So, and, and some, sometimes that can be interesting, and we covered some of that and how those um, how those shoots have gone and, uh, and, and what, what the sort of process of putting those things together are. But yeah, I mean, the work itself has not been a kind of creative high watermark, but then understandably so, I guess. So there's been some out there. There was one from... I want to say Heineken, I think, this week, uh, that was really good, sort of an ode to closed pubs, essentially, which was a really good piece of work. Um, so there is stuff out there that is, that is sort of hitting the mark, even though that there's so many restrictions. But yeah, a lot of it is, I think there's been something on YouTube, we had it on the site as well, uh, you know, every COVID-19 commercial is exactly the same, you know, sort of slightly plinky plonky music and lots of people on Zoom calls like this uh, kind of talking to their families and friends 
so yeah. it's a bit wearying after a while. Yeah. How do you? Um, this is this is maybe uh, a difficult question to approach uh, because. I don't know if it stands up to critical creative analysis, but I'm always interested in what people think of the government's approach to advertising with, you know, the coronavirus uh, campaign, uh, awareness campaign. They obviously put Mark Strong on the voiceover. It's a very authoritative sort of commanding thing. Stay at home. But um, generally speaking, uh, I've always wondered if people like yourself, people in the creative industry with an eye for what's going on, think there's a more engaging way they could um, they could communicate with people. Yeah, I mean, I suppose there have been... Look, I guess the biggest engagement that I've seen, certainly in this country, is St Luke's, um, the, the reversed NHS logo. So, you know, that's one of those kind of massively, very simple but very hugely effective ideas. So I guess the, the, the approach to this... Uh, this virus and getting people aware of what's going on and what they need to do and how they need to behave. Kind of simplicity is key, isn't it? Because, you you know, you want everyone to understand. And that's not to sort of say that some people would be too sort of stupid to, to understand any kind of creative aspect. But, um, but I guess they just want to hammer home, this is, you know, these are the rules, this is what you need to do. You know, you've got an authoritative uh, voice telling you that this is what you need to do, and and that's it. Same with the NHS reverse logo. You know, it's three letters. It's it's a not it's a recognisable logo. Stay home now. You know, it's it's plastered all over the place, and it just hammers home exactly what we should all be doing, and rightly so. So yeah, you're right. I'm sure there are. You know, I'm sure there are people and companies out there that have got great ideas for how they should um, how they should do, or how we maybe could approach it in a more creative way. Uh, you know, and that's not to say that that wouldn't be uh, a, a useful um, thing to do. But I think, well, I'm, I'm obviously not in the government, but uh, I'm assuming their thinking is that you know, simple is best. Yes, uh, in fact, I'm that, that um, that's relevant because I'm talking to Rory Sutherland next week to get mm -hmm. his take on the whole thing. And um, have you listened to his podcast on Brand? I have. I mean, I've I've seen a lot of his talks, uh, but you know, I've seen some of them live. I've seen quite a lot of them on YouTube, and I'm pretty sure that he's going to have a much more interesting and uh, uh, I guess authoritative answer to that question than I just gave. Well, the one that's interesting, to, uh, the thing, the angle that's interesting is on one of these podcasts. He said that he he feels in some, in many cases, or maybe in the the advertising landscape as such, uh, marketers and clients in particular have taken a very utilitarian approach to things, particularly in the digital world. It's just about getting a simple message across concisely because yeah. you've got five seconds to do it. And you don't need the bells and whistles of creative to really sell the product, which is, you know, you may have just identified that government communications, particularly urgent ones like this, are the one area where it's okay to have that approach. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's, it's a public health message, isn't it? It's not an advert, you know, it's not about creative advertising or, or being clever or about winning awards or anything like that. It's about telling people, look, this this is a really, you know, dangerous and difficult situation. These are the rules. So, yeah, creativity obviously have its, has its place and I don't doubt there are, you know, more creative ways of, of getting this message across, but whether that creative way would get it across as succinctly and as broadly as the way that it, the current messaging is, um, I'm not sure. 
so yeah, you know, look, and brands are the same. You know, I guess all brands are struggling, or some brands certainly. A lot of brands are struggling with how they kind of keep relevant and keep their their name and their products out there when they're not kind of don't have don't have a kind of direct reason to do that. Which is why all these adverts are sort of becoming a bit of a it's become a bit of a meme and a joke of the, you know everyone telling you that you know we know how you feel we we you know wish you well you know we're here for you you know from. Castrol GTX or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that we need Castrol GTX to be there for me. But yeah. you know, what else are they going to say to a certain degree? I saw a brilliant meme on Twitter the other day. Uh, it said all emails at the moment, all work emails at the moment read like, uh, hi, hope you're keeping well during this scary, tragic and unusual time. I'm sure we're going to get through it. Just to follow up, you know. Yeah. So. I don't know if you heard the, I listened to Adam Buxton podcast. He did like a, I think it actually came out just before the whole lockdown thing, but he did a, a similar thing even back then. It's the halcyon days of sort of mid-March um, when he did that sort of thing of, yeah, you know, it, you've got to be very sincere in your opening to all emails before you get into the, the kind of meat of what you actually want to say. But yeah, we're all the same. I guess, you know, it's, I guess it's nice to a certain degree. I mean, the, the English people are quite cynical about this whole thing to a certain degree and always sort of being too emotional and too feeling. But, you know, I guess it's nicer to hope people are well than not. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I always find I really do struggle with when trying to attract new business and trying to reach out to people is... Um, is effectively disguising that that that's my core purpose as soon as you yeah. know the email starts reading and of course everyone knows as soon as they say hi trust all as well just to, oh, okay this is going to be can I sell you yeah, something yeah. I think but, it is I think it's sort of people are sort of becoming less inclined to that now I've noticed emails and I've noticed myself doing it whereas before like you said you'd have almost like a few lines of hope you're well hope your family are well hope you're coping I hope everything's okay and then but now it's just like hi hope you're well almost like you would normally anyway sort of people you know a month or whatever it is six weeks in people are saying you know <laughs> it's fine. fine there's almost an argument to be made that um if uh, if every email has the same four opening lines, then they may as well not be there because they're taken for granted after a certain amount of time. Yeah, I think, you know, I guess it's like, I, I don't know. I'm, again, it's slightly cynical to say, but obviously you want you don't actively want people not to be well. But yeah, I would think most people probably open emails like that anyway, don't they? Hi, I hope all's well, and then just carry on into whatever it is. It's weird, isn't it? Because sometimes if you get an email, because obviously there's no tone uh, to emails, so if you get someone who is just kind of basically straight into it, hi, I need this, if it comes across as incredibly rude uh, in the same way that sometimes if they're too long, they become a bit cloying. And I've written those over the last few weeks myself where you sort of think, oh, I've layered that on a little bit thick there. So Yeah. I wonder if there's like a, an unusual strategy that could be approached. I mean, creative agencies have an example, an example, have an advantage insofar as they have an entire they have entire departments one for new business and one for creative many of whom will be copywriters so you could actually have copywriters approach new business for here's a better way to strike a tone of voice yeah yeah and look, maybe that's what they're doing I, I don't know i mean i guess it's a sort of awkward situation isn't it because you've got to sort of tread that line between you know wanting to be understandably wanting to be sympathetic and aware of the situation but you know equally I guess when, you know, when's a good time? When can you start? I think this, this is too early, but, you know, can you joke about this? Can you make it? And I guess people have online or certainly on Twitter and things like that. 
all the memes about kids and childcare and homeschooling and stuff, you know, they were kind of almost instant. Um, but yeah, brands, I guess, are a bit more wary about being humorous around something as serious as this has caused so much sort of um, death and destruction and kind of potential business uh, sort of catastrophes. So I guess it's, it's, a, it's a difficult balance to strike. Um, but I'm sure, hope, well, hopefully, some, some people will kind of uh, find, the right, find the right approach. Yeah. So uh, let's, uh, you mentioned before, and this will be, when, whenever people are seeing or listening to this, this will be, as I said, a long time after May. Uh, mm. So what are you doing at the moment? Because you've got a big project on for shots that otherwise would have been handled very differently. Yes, so we um, we were supposed to have the Shots Awards Americas in LA, the ceremony in LA in April. So April the 25th, I think it was supposed to be. I think I got that right, 24th. So uh, towards the end of April, and uh, for obvious reasons, um, that didn't happen. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, the event itself uh, was cancelled. Um, so what we decided to do is film a kind of faux live broadcast of the event. So myself and my co-editor at Shots, Jamie Madge, um, with the, a lot of help from a production company and two very talented directors and kind of technical people set up home studios with kind of professional kit. So we've got like professional Sony cameras and lights and rigging and monitors and sound recording equipment and all that sort of guff. Uh, in well, in my bedroom and it, in Jamie where he is in his uh, front room I think or somewhere a spare room uh, and we recorded that um, over the course of a week at the end of April and that went out live on May the 15th hopefully it did we're not actually at May the 15th yet so <laughs> hopefully it went out live on May the 15th or at least the, li- the, the sort of live stream of, of what we shot yeah. and yeah we, sort of, we, we played you know we played with it a bit of fun you know, obviously, we were there to sort of highlight the, the great work that, that, that had won for that awards, so we did that. But we, we kind of played around with it. We embraced the chaos of us, or certainly me, not having a clue what we were doing, and everything was kind of homemade. There were homemade signs, and, uh, you know, just it was a bit raggedy around the edges. But um, it kind of, hopefully, that gave it a little bit of its own personality. Uh, and as you can tell from this conversation, I am not a professional speaker by any stretch, so uh, I'm not entirely sure how they've edited the whole thing together, but um, I'm not entirely sure I'll come out of it brilliantly. No, actually, I, I wouldn't have said that from uh, <laughs> going on this so far. I think you've managed to leave absolutely no dead air uh, whilst pausing for thought, which, uh, by the way, our mutual friend Hugh Todd was uh, had no shame in doing. So... Uh, <laughs> He's a thoughtful guy, you see, so he probably approached it in a much better way because he's thought about the answers before he's actually given them. Yes. What, unfortunately, I seem to engage mouth before brain, and that sometimes uh, doesn't pan out well. Well, that's a, maybe a, a journalistic temperament more than a uh, creative <laughs> director, yeah. So what would uh, the normal Shots Awards look like? Uh, so take me to LA and, you know, what would, you know, what, how many people, what kind of frivolities yeah. and entertainment would be going on? Well, actually, so this would have been the very first Shots Awards in America. So we, oh, wow. we've done the Shots Awards in Europe or in London, um, 
for I don't know, eight, ten years. I've lost count exactly. So big event, like 500 people, different sort of venues across London. Uh, obviously, lots of people from the industry, production agency, different parts of the industry. Um, glitz, glamour, lights, a proper presenter. Um, you know, all the kind of trimmings that you're used to with a, a normal award show. Slightly in a shot style, I guess, a bit more low-key and a bit less formal. So there's no sit-down dinner. There's no kind of... Um, it doesn't go on for hours and hours. It's sort of about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Um, and then we have a party. So that's the normal shots of awards, and that's kind of going to be uh, applied to the one in LA as well. And, and we were excited because it's the first time we've done it, and we'd had a lot of uh, good sort of positive energy around it. But yeah, you know, like a lot of the events, uh, many of them are much bigger than, than the shots awards uh, have, have all been cancelled. So yeah, this is the this will be the inaugural shots awards Americas, um, and yeah, we'll see we'll see how it goes because uh, you know <laughs> it's a different way of doing it. That's for sure. Yeah, which um, obviously is this uh, generally award season in creative, or is it spread out through the year? Well, yeah, well, I mean, we're kind of heading into it, aren't we? Because what we, well, so as we record this, it's the end of, I oh, know it's not, it's the start of May, it's the first of May, sorry. Uh, so we're heading kind of towards Cannes. Uh, DNAD would be sort of around about now. Shots of over the Americas is the first time, but that that was happening. So, you know, we're heading into awards season, I suppose, in terms of, of, of the advertising um, uh, industry. Although you could argue that that is pretty much year round, the awards season. Mm. But yeah, so we're heading into the thick of it. Obviously, Cannes initially postponed. To, to October and then fairly quickly after that cancelled the 2020 show um, so yeah we don't know the arrows are supposed to happen in March at the end of March and that obviously didn't happen uh, and they're hoping that that happened at some point this year but I mean nobody knows really where we're going to be you know next week let alone next month or six months down the line so it's, it's very hard to predict Yes. Well, we can assume that when this is going out, that the awards, uh, such as they are this year, will have happened. So uh, I, I can comfortably ask you what creative you've been impressed by uh, this year, uh, what you think's done particularly well, because if it was going out tomorrow, this might be giving away something about the awards. Yeah. But <laughs> as long as yeah, I, I'll, otherwise I'll, I'll just get the sack. You won't be no. able to because they'll have, they'll have sacked me for, for giving away the entire sort of thing. It's confidential uh, till at least June. Right, okay, good. Uh, so, yeah, well, I mean, look, the stuff that uh, I'm sure everyone's seen, the stuff from the New York Times, uh, I thought was amazing, certainly in ter terms of the stuff out of the Americas uh, and North America, the stuff from the New York Times uh, was amazing. We really like that. I mean, look, Nike always do great stuff. Uh, you know, the, the brands that always kind of knock it out of the park are the brands that um, that continue to sort of do so, do so and do, do things differently and a bit more creatively. Um, and so that's that's the stuff that we really that we really gravitated towards. And obviously, the judges for this awards uh, similarly uh, have done the same. And you look at things like Skittles, who um, who do sort of like weird and wonderful stuff, and, and the Broadway show that they did. I guess that would be in yeah the, at the beginning of last year, I suppose, for around about the Super Bowl. But the, um, the you know the Broadway musical they did, which was just you know, completely weird and unlike anything else that that um, that anyone's ever done. And you know it's it's interesting how some brands kind of are playing with the form and especially around things like the Super Bowl where you know it used to be and it still is to a large degree but you know you make a great big ad and you put it on what is the biggest sort of sporting broadcast uh, in North America in the entirety of the year and everyone sees it and it's you know sometimes they're good sometimes they're not good um, but some brands like Skittles and other Newcastle Brownell Droga 5 a few years ago similarly kind of play around with the form of what the Super Bowl is and how it works and so instead of paying that huge amount 
amount of money to to have a 30 second spot in the broadcast they kind of play around the edges of it but kind of use the Super Bowl as a sort of launch point for a big campaign even if they're not actually in the Super Bowl broadcast so that's always an interesting an interesting approach I think yeah that reminded me actually um, uh, something that's relevant to the current season uh, was it last year? Last year's Super Bowl that um, Amazon uh, did the uh, launch the ad that was made by Lucky Generals. Oh yes, the Alexa. Uh, yeah, there's been a couple of them, haven't they? So there was one last year. There was one this year. What was the last year's one? I lose track of which one was which. There was one with Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford. Yeah, with the talking yeah, yeah. Uh, dog was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that was last year. That was brilliant. Yeah, that mm. was. I mean, that's an example of a slightly because that was I don't know how long exactly that was, but at least like it's ninety seconds, two minutes maybe. Alexa lost her voice or something. I think it was called. Um, yeah, and that's an example of a great, a great idea, great direction great sort of output and you know just a, a really good kind of traditional ad I, I don't know why i do that but it's always weird like in the last few years it feels like sometimes saying the word traditional is, is somehow negative sort of word you know oh that's very traditional as if that's a bad thing but you know a great film is a great film and it was a great idea and, and brilliantly executed and rightly won lots of awards yeah you may have actually briefly brushed your finger over a pulse there which is uh, maybe it may be the case that tradition as such is viewed very sceptically at the moment. Like anything that was traditional, anything that is a remnant of the past, even if it's a strong one, should be regarded with scepticism. Yeah, I think, I mean, look, you know, I guess this industry and I'm sure many industries as well, you know, it's the cult of the new, isn't it? So, you know, you kind of gravitate towards what is new and shiny, um, at, you know, so when going back a while now but when things like Twitter and you know social media became a big thing so everyone and clients as well I guess as agencies that you know we need to do a Twitter campaign or we need to do a, a TikTok campaign as it might be now or we need to get on Instagram or we need to do you know whatever it is that's new or we need to do VR we need to do AR and sometimes those things are perfectly relevant and perfectly good for that brand and work brilliantly well other times it's just well you're just doing it because it's there and because you can you can do it so then it becomes you know a conversation where we don't want to do a, a kind of again, a traditional TV commercial uh, because that seems old-fashioned. But, you know, I think, you know, going back a while now, sort of five or ten years, maybe, you know, when digital first broke onto the scene and it became such a big thing and everyone was like, oh, that's it, it's the death of television and, you know, traditional TV commercials are, are, are kind of long gone. And it just came, like, back in a circle. Like, actually, that's not the case at all. It's just the same as before. It has to be good. It has to be interesting. You know, film has become, you know, just as, if not more important, you know, Instagram and Twitter they've all got filmic elements to them so creating a great uh, moving image uh, piece of content be it five seconds ten seconds you know an hour or more uh, is key and you know I guess you could say that all that stuff is based in tradition the tradition of making a, a great piece of filmic content yeah one of, one of the things I'm I'm keen to investigate as I speak to people I mean particularly creatives uh, is the fact that you know in the circles that I move in, advertising generally is regarded with skepticism. Oh, it's people trying to break into my life and sell me stuff. It, yeah. Kind of a, an idea that was made to my generation quite fashionable by a uh, meme that went round of something that Banksy wrote saying, oh, you know, advertisers are basically rudely trying to barge into your attention span and get you to yeah. buy things. Um, so I'm trying to get round to the idea of it, you know, investigating what advertising, you know, why it can be regarded as a good thing, because um, 
my, uh, I suppose what I think is that people still wish to be entertained and people still want to see good stuff, like you said. And if I think memorable adverts that cheered people up when they saw them, you know, they, they actually, uh, they, they were... They were amusing or they were, you know, great pieces of film. I'm yeah. thinking of stuff like Cadbury's Gorilla. I mean, that went massive when I was at high school. And yeah. that's still what I think back to if I think what's a memorable advert that made me laugh or that was that was still worth having. I can't, I don't know about you, I and I, I don't know what most people would say if you ask them, I can't think of a memorable piece of YouTube pre-roll. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, th there are a few, I guess, I mean, in America, there was something for Geico insurance that was quite memorable where they did a five second kind of still, it's hard to explain, but like a weird still frame that wasn't, you know, it was just people pretending to be still and weird yeah. things would, like a dog would move around. And you, you kind of wanted to watch that because it was almost like a you been framed, um, candid camera type moment. But yeah, you're right. I mean, look, you know, all those adverts you said, or Gorilla certainly um, is is a great piece of content, but it's still trying to sell you chocolate. You know, the, advertising by for, you know, in its nature is is created to sell you stuff. And yes, it can be sometimes intrusive, and the best ones are the ones that you gravitate towards and are interesting pieces of content, and that you kind of that bear repeat viewing. Guinness Surfer, Nike Londoner, you know, all those sort of things that, you know, everyone rightly kind of cites as being, um, you know, great pieces of work, but they're all still um, trying to sell you things. So, you know, I don't know if you could hear my son's crying in the background about something. Um, I that. <laughs> I don't know what it, is. it could be anything. Um, so, you know, yes, advertising can be in, intrusive and, you know, to say, you know, what is the, the point of it is, you know, we live in a, whether you agree with it or not, we live in a capitalist um, society and, and advertising isn't necessary for, for kind of selling things and uh, and sometimes that can be very useful. And look, again, back to the point we made earlier, you know, St. Luke's and Richard Denny at, um, at St. Luke's came up with the uh, NHS reverse logo uh, thing. That's an advertising agency coming up with something that has no tangible monetary benefit. Uh, so it's not, you know, Kind of interrupting you to try and get you to part with cash is, is doing good it's trying to tell you to to do what needs to be done similarly uncommon london uh, when this all kicked off with brew dog uh, one of their clients you know they created the hand sanitizer so brew dog um it's uh their facilities their their brewery they just kind of instead of making alcohol they made um uh, alcohol hand wash uh, and then Ship that to people say uh, LVMH is it uh, the uh, French fashion house did the similar thing so you know it, it, I guess you can argue that over the last few weeks and a couple of months however long it is brands have kind of stepped up so you know there is an argument to say well what they could have just white labeled that and they you know why do they have to have their brand and it is helpful but you know it's it's a business you know as we've seen from reading loads of newspapers and listening to the news it's a really tough time for business so if you can do something really helpful and relevant and necessary and also keep your brand out there in a positive manner then you know why wouldn't you do that yeah as you mentioned um a few good creative shops there obviously st luke's uncommon london um these are great agencies uh is there any which agencies can you think of, top of your head, that have been consistently putting out beautiful, impressive, creative work, you know, for the last, yeah, over the last three years, let's say? Well, I mean, I suppose people like Droga5, um, 
both in the States and in London, have done some amazing work. You know, the guys and girls that work there are brilliant and consistently do great stuff. Uncommon. I don't know, have they been going for three years? I'm not even sure if they have, but... They're very new, um, aren't they? They are new. I mean, it might be around about that sort of time that they started, but yeah, you know, since since um, since they did uh, open their doors, they have been almost without foul. The stuff that they put out has been... Uh, has been has been brilliant and and kind of different as well. So everything's sort of, you know they're behind the ITV stuff for the kind of mental health um, awareness, the Habito uh, illustrated or animated campaigns. Obviously, this uh, the Brewdog stuff they've done. So you know they they have been you know ubiquitous in terms of awards and in terms of kind of rightly getting the credit that uh, for, for doing some great stuff and you know some people love it some people not so much but it's always talked about I suppose and that's that's as much as you can ask for for um, for an for, as a brand I would I would assume did you uh, what did you think of the Brewdog advert I can't remember what the copy was but it was something like not an advert or another advert or you know yeah I mean it's weird because I part there's I it's obviously I didn't realise when I first watched it because I think you know most of us fast forward me included where if you're watching something recorded on Sky Plus for example you kind of fast forward through it right so you miss you know if it's a if it's a narrative story even if it's a 30 second ad you, you kind of miss it because you just but obviously with the Brewdog one if you're fast forwarding you're just getting a picture of Brewdog which is a, sort of hugely clever really and I, at, at first I didn't get that weirdly I, I think maybe I just saw the poster I, I can't remember but I just thought oh, you know it just feels like it's I'm always a bit wary of ads that feel like they're trying to turn the tables on advertising and try and sort of pull the rug from under their own feet, if that makes sense, possibly not. So I was a bit like, oh, I'm not sure about that one. But then when I realised, oh, yeah, okay, that makes perfect sense. It, and again, it's that kind of simple but effective, you know, again, back to the NHS thing, it's that simple but effective approach that kind of pays dividends, doesn't it? Uh, so, yeah, I, I really like that. And the Herbito uh, insurance stuff, uh, is it insurance? Uh, the, the the house stuff um, is is brilliant. Uh, you know, the animation itself is just this sort of eyeball bleedingly uh, sort of bright, but uh, but really really good, really impactful. Uh, the first thing they did for was it uh, the the ecological uh, um, brand? I've forgotten the name of it now. That's not that's not a great. Uh, um, advert for, for it is it but there's a, there was an ecology brand I can't remember what it's called but that, that was really good there was on the beats and the TVs and it pulled back uh, and that was a really good ad so that was great I actually never thought about that until you mentioned it specifically regarding the brew dog because um, obviously true creativity is coming up with something absolutely novel it's not been done before you know it's not just producing a piece of art although it is also that and I'd never thought about the idea of fast forwarding through adverts being its own format and you have to now put yeah. post posters on your TVC instead of moving image. Yeah, well that's it. And, that's, and look, so you're, I'm in the same boat as you because I didn't at first I was I didn't that didn't occur to me in, immediately. Um so I just oh I don't know why everyone's getting so hit up about this. But yeah obviously not long after I was like, oh okay. <laughs> I get it. All right. That's clever. But yeah, so those those guys know what know what they're doing. So uh, yeah I should I should never have doubted. The only thing I will question uh, creatively, and uh, I'm in control of this, so I can cut it out if I'm wrong, because I'm going to research this afterwards. But um, <laughs> I, I've, I've been trying to get, I've been trying to get through to Uncommon London for about two and a half years. Um, very, very um, difficult to get a hold of. 
because, yeah. because they do great work. That's what, you know, obviously we're music providers. We want to be associated with that. But yeah. that Brewdog Punk IPA advert, I'm pretty sure it had me- heavy metal music on it, which is not punk. Right, yeah. I mean, I'm my my sort of musical genre knowledge is it was very hard rocky sort of uh, music. You're right. Whether that would be defined as punk or heavy metal is not uh, something I can <laughs> I can accurately say. I might, I, I might actually cut this from the uh, broadcast because it's just giving away free creative work as a music supervisor. But there's a great punk track by Black Flag, Henry Rollins, called Six Pack. He goes, I got a right. six pack and nothing to do. And then it just goes mental. So yeah, I might try and push that. But anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so Uncommon are great. Um, what do you think of Wyden at the moment? Yeah, I mean, look, they do consistently. You know, there are some shops that do consistently good work. Wyden are one of them, you know, certainly with the Nike stuff that they do, um, you know, uh, comes out of both the London and the um, and the U- uh, US offices. Uh, so yeah, you know B- BBH as well. I mean that you know that they do great work. I think uh, there's lots of there's lots of companies. St Luke's we've mentioned as well. You know, I guess the interesting thing is that there there are companies that do. Um, you know, there's lots of agencies that do interesting work. You know, so there, although there are these dominant agencies, the ones we've just mentioned, you know, there are also little smaller places that kind of do interesting things, and you kind of might not even know initially who it is or who who's done it or where it's come from. But you know, oh, okay, that's those guys, and that's really good, and that's interesting. And you know, I guess you know the smaller shops that kind of put stuff together, um, uh, you know, and do, and do interesting creative uh, work is, is you know it's great to see. Yeah, I'm I, I'm going to give uh, maybe a slightly biased shout out to Who What Why, uh, just because I think they're yeah. a great rising creative shop. Yeah, yeah, no, they're great. I think I mean, interviewed them. Uh, uh, yeah, because it's that's Matt, isn't it, Matt? Um, Matt Gooden, uh, Sean Thompson. Yeah, so Sean's written a couple of things for us in the past. Again, about sort of mental health and creativity. Uh, and yeah, Matt, and, and Matt Gooden obviously has got a great um, track record of stuff. So yeah, they're they're a great uh, they're a great little shop as well. Yeah, I should also say that in my experience, uh, Who What Why is held together by an absolute powerhouse producer called Marissa Jennings, who tends to uh, keep everything uh, ticking along in quite an impressive way. I think she also yeah. speaks French as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, um, blue. What was I? Sorry. You always need that glue. That's someone uh, that's keeping everything. Uh, stuck together and ticking over nicely. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, we've done about 45 minutes here, so I suppose I'll move towards wrap-up, obviously, because uh, you've got young'uns to be uh, giving a watch, uh, getting a watchful eye to. So, yeah, well, hopefully, um, hopefully my wife's doing that. Yeah, <laughs> fingers before. crossed. They could just be running wild. I mean, you know, that's sometimes how we roll. Yeah, I suppose one last thing I'll cover then is... Um, uh, I don't really want to ask anyone to make predictions because no one can predict anything in general, never mind just at the moment. But um, uh, is there any discussion with the, the SHOTS team about, you know, Adland, back to work? What's the creative community saying? Well, I don't know. I mean, look, this is, you know, to, to sort of basically parrot back to you what you just said, you know, no one's really sticking their neck out too far because we just don't know, do we? I mean, like we, like I think we said earlier, you know, you don't know what's going to happen the next day, let alone the next week or the next month or the next year. It's going to be difficult. There are going to be some, look, within the industry, I suppose, there are going to be some companies that maybe, unfortunately, don't make it through. You know, if the, if the, you know, if, if the, uh, you know, if this goes on too much longer, uh, then that's going to be very difficult for some companies, agencies and production companies and other types of sectors 
and for brands too, you know, it's going to be very hard. So who knows what's going to happen when we do finally get out and shooting and stuff is going to be difficult. I, you know, it's not going to go, I, I would imagine, it's not going to go straight from all. You can't have any contact. You can't shoot and have a crew together and cast and stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, that's fine. Everyone can just get together. So there's still, there's going to be a kind of, you know, softly, softly approach to how this all works. And, you know, and I guess animation is going to come to the fore, as I'm sure people have said before. So at the moment, we've got a lot of user-generated content stuff and stock footage content in commercials because that's, you know, much easier to put together, obviously, and doesn't involve um, any shooting. And I guess I would imagine at the moment there's quite a lot of animation projects on the go and a lot of people kind of, you will see over the coming weeks and months a lot more animated stuff uh, coming out for brands. But then beyond that, you know, it's really it's really difficult to say. And there's some people saying this is going to be a good thing, you know, we can kind of a reset of the industry or a kind of reset of the world in some respects. Uh, and, you know, how, how are people going to approach that? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know how it's going to pan out. And I don't think anyone knows. I guess if they did, uh, they'd be sort of, um, you know, sort of, their opinion would be uh, wild, widely uh, garnered, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be interesting, and hopefully, it's going to be successful, and that we're not going to see uh, kind of a, any kind of mass collapse of companies and and brands and stuff. But but yeah, you know, time will tell. Well, I think one thing we can safely say is um, that this lockdown thankfully came at a time in our history when we were sort of digitally prepared for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. You know, look, the fact that we're talking on this thing now, I mean, I'd never heard of... I mean, I guess the thing that I've learned most over the course of this last couple of months is how many different video conferencing platforms there are. Uh, I'd never heard of Zoom before this. So we've got Jitsi, we've got all these different things that I've been using that I would never was never aware of. But yes, so, you know, that, it's going to be interesting. Look, office space and stuff like that, you know, everyone's been working from home and I'm sure some more successfully than others, but... You know, do we need offices in the way we used to, or until very recently, had big offices? Or you know, can that be scaled down? What effect will that have? Yes, yeah. It's a good question from a social perspective because I, for one, really detest working from home. I don't like being in the same room all day. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, different people, you know, get on with it in different ways, don't they? You know, I guess if you live on your own, maybe you might crave that kind of social interaction of going to work really because if you don't have anyone around you at home uh then then that might be something that you, you that you really sort of um that you really like but you know i guess we can all look at how the how our individual businesses have worked and how successful it's been over the past month or two and you know what can change and what you know people are going to need to make savings right i mean finance is going to come into it massively so if people think well actually we don't need to keep that massive sort of Soho office that we had for 10 years because we've realised that we can have a much smaller place somewhere else, then maybe that will be the case. And what the knock-on effects of that are, I, I, I couldn't tell you. But I think there will be a kind of re-evaluation of how people work and what we do and how we do it. Some of it for the better, maybe. Some of it not so much. But um, again, it's, uh, it's a difficult thing to predict. Well, uh, fingers crossed we'll... Um... Well, we'll have a clearer picture by, let's say, September, October. Um, yeah. And so we should do another one of these then. Maybe even by that point, I'll be allowed to come down to London and we can book out a little studio to do it. But um, uh, yeah. Oh, yes. That, that's, that's the number one thing I keep hearing is like everyone wants a pint. 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard, you know, like you're not just not just going to the pub, but just kind of social interactions. You know, we're all, we're all living through it. And, I, you know, it's, it's just it's weird not to not to see people or just to kind of, you know, when you walk towards someone on the pavement, not someone you know necessarily, but just, you know, you have to circumnavigate everyone. And it's, you know, it's just a strange, it's still a very strange feeling, but that's the world we're currently living in. <laughs> <laughs> 